This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Psalm 105 this morning. The next two Psalms are in all actuality recantations of what God did for Israel in relation to going into slavery into Egypt and being delivered out of Egypt and all that God did there. They're two long Psalms. And so we're going to spend uh, some time having to move through them quickly. That being said, I think it's real important that you see that in song form, God is uh, instructing us. He's given us a roadmap for us to look back on the things he's done in our lives and done in maybe the lives of our nation or the lives of our family and remembering those things in a powerful way, in, in a way where we place God as supreme over it and see God and his activities in the midst of it. And by the way, that is what that story is all about. In fact, the great story of the Old Testament is the story found at the end of Genesis and then on through Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It, it is important that you see that uh, that story of the children of Israel going into slavery in Egypt and then God delivering them by the blood of the lamb, and then them taking into the wilderness and learning about the holiness of God, and then that entering into the promised land that we see in the book of Joshua is the picture of God's deliverance of his people from Egypt, which is the world, to the promised land, which is the spirit-filled Christian life. And uh, that whole story, that whole series of events is are, are great pictures. They're great pictures throughout them of God's work of justification, saving us from Egypt, sanctification, him uh, bringing us to a place where our will is in line with his will so that we might enter into his best in the promised land. And then eventually he uh, leads us to glorification when we're with him. And so 105 starts out, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Notice he's saying, we need to talk about what God's done. We need to say what God's done. And, and it's being said in song form, which I think is really neat. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. Notice he's saying, tell what God's done. I remember when I was a, a, a little boy, there were a couple of songs that uh, I thought were really neat. And I would sing that one of them was Davy Crockett. And it was about uh, Davy Crockett and his exploits. And then ultimately the Alamo. And then you had then you had the song the Bismarck, which is about the the British hunting down this mighty battleship, this mighty German battleship called the Bismarck. And I can remember so many songs when I was a little boy that spoke of the uh, exploits of the United States in World War One and World War Two, and uh, how we how we fought against Nazism and communism and and all those isms. And and I just remember as a little boy thinking how wonderful it was that uh, God had uh, God had rid the world of those things. And those songs meant so much to me when I was a little kid. 
and I remember them. I remember them even today. I probably could sing them. I want to burden you with them. But can you imagine, okay, take that. And then these Psalms, which talk about the exploits of God throughout history, gives us pictures of what he does in every aspect of our lives through these pictures, the children of Israel being delivered out of slavery in Egypt and having God's best. He says, glory in his holy name, verse three, let the heart of those rejoice who seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face even more. Now notice what he said. These songs are designed for you to see God as he actually is, to see his face, to know his countenance, to know his will. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done his wonders, and the judgment of his mouth. He's saying we got to think about and remember all the things God has done because he's in the miracle working business. He's in the life-changing business. He's in the life-sustaining and life-building business. Remember his marvelous works that he's done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, your children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Now he's saying, you guys that are Jewish, you guys part of the children of Israel, you need to remember what God's done. He is the Lord our God. Notice supremacy right there. Notice he's sovereignly in charge. He's He is our Lord. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Wow. He, that's true, right? His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. He remembers the promises that he's made. He, he remembers them. He is going to fulfill those promises. And those include promises to you. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Notice the, the sins of the father passed to the second, third generation, which means sin does have its power over us for a season, for a time. But the next phrase is, but the grace of God is to a thousand generations. And when God works, his work is permanent and his work is, is life-giving. He says the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to, with, to Isaac. He's talking about that covenant he made to them and confirmed to it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant. Notice he's saying all the promises that went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And even Jacob talks about that at the book of in at the end of the book of Genesis and God's promises to him. In fact, the last time uh, that he is in Israel before he goes to Egypt to meet with his son, Joseph. He goes back to the place where he received the promise of God. God's promises are permanent and they're forever. And, uh, and you can trust in them saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. Now for 400 years, they didn't think that was ever going to happen again, but it did. He said, when they were few in number, indeed, very few and strangers in it, meaning God gave them this promise when it didn't seem like it was even possible. There were not many of them, and they were and they were strangers in Canaan. They were strangers in the land. He gave them that promise way before it seemed even reasonable that it would happen. And when they were few in number, indeed, very few and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes. Notice, he took care of things that were far above their pay grade. It was far above their strength, far above their influence. He was handling things so that they might have his very best. God's still in that business. He's still at work doing that for you even right now. He's saying, he's saying do not touch my anointed ones. And do my prophets no harm. Verse 15. Notice, 
if you're if you have the if you have the Holy Spirit living in inside of you, if you're born again, if you've received the new birth, you're one of his anointed ones. And he's saying, yeah, they can't touch you unless he lets them. And the only reason he would let them is so that he could glorify himself in your faith and your strength because of it. Moreover, he calls he called a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provisions of bread. Notice he his provision was in the midst of a famine, meaning that God's plan was brought about by taking his children into Egypt, into the world. They were going to be enslaved there, but they were going to become a mighty nation there so that they could go back and take the land of promise that he'd given them. Moreover, he caused a famine uh, in, in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. This is all found at the end of the book of Genesis. They hurt his feet with fetters. He laid in irons. Notice he was, he was chained. He was, he was taken prisoner by his brothers and sold into slavery until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The rulers of the people let him go free. He made him Lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Notice Joseph goes from being a slave to the greatest in Egypt by God's divine plan, by God's divine purpose. He says, Israel also came into Egypt, meaning Jacob, and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. Now you're going, why would God do that after he's taken care of them? Once they became strong, once they became able to take the promised land, he was not going to leave them in Egypt. He's not going to leave them in slavery to sin. He was going to deliver them out of Egypt and take them to his best, but they had to become strong. They had to be prepared. He had to work his will in his way so that they might have his, his best down the road. What is God doing for you? Is he working his will in his way, strengthening you, preparing you for his best? I dare say he probably is. It's always been his plan. You see it throughout scripture. That's how he works with his people. I'm sure he's almost, I'm almost positive he's working it with you. You're not an exception to the rule. If you're redeemed, if you're anointed, if you're born again, if you have a relationship with God, there's a strong likelihood that you have his power and his best. And, and he is working out that plan for you. Are you willing to believe that it's coming? Are you willing to believe that it, that God could do that for you? I hope you are. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. Notice he sent the deliverer. He, they performed his signs. Uh, Moses is a picture of Christ. Aaron's a picture of the Holy Spirit. He said they performed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. He turned the uh, Nile into blood. Their land abounded with frogs, even with the uh, chambers of their kings. He spoke and there came swarms of flies and lice in all their territories. These are the plagues of Egypt he's talking about. He gave them hails of rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also in their fig trees. Notice he took everything they had. He destroyed the world for his own people's benefit. He's willing to do that for you too. He spoke and locusts came, young locusts without number. Verse 35, ate and ate up all the vegetation of their land and devoured the fruit of their ground. He also destroyed all the firstborn in the land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold. Notice 
He didn't bring them out as slaves. He brought them out as kings. He brought them out in power. He brought them out in wealth. And there was none feeble among his tribes. Verse 38, Egypt was glad when they departed for the fear of them had fallen upon them. Notice God brought fear in the Egyptians, even though they were the slave masters. Wow, what a powerful statement is being made here. Is God doing that for you? I dare say he is. Are you willing to believe it? Are you willing to walk in it? He said he spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. Notice they followed the cloud by day, which kept the sun back and didn't beat down on them in the wilderness. And then he gave them fire and light at night so that they could see. The people asked, and he brought quail and satisfied them with bread of heaven. That's manna. He opened the rock and the water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy. Notice, he remembers his promises. Generation to generation, they do not change. He is God. He says, verse 43, he brought out his people with joy his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the land of the Gentiles and they inherited the labor of the nations. Notice when they went into the promised land, they didn't have to build cities or villages or plant vineyards or have crops. He gave them all that the Canaanites had. He gave them everything they had. And he is willing to do that for you also. He said that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Notice that they may recognize him for who he is. And then the psalm ends in verse 45. Praise the Lord for all that he's done. Praise the Lord for all that he is. And praise the Lord that his plans and his promises are forever. Amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.